Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is the Big Question Quarantine Edition. It's a show that gives you too much information about the terrifying implications of a monster known as Groot. I'm Eric Voss, talking talking trees with Philip Molina. How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm okay. Yeah. I what's going on? I'm starting to run really low on liquors. Oh. And like I'm just getting like like college quality. I made a batanga today. I don't know what that is. It's a tequila and coke. <laughs> Oh. I'm, I'm all out of everything, and there's some lime in there. I mean, I'm still gonna get drunk. Your standards have been raised now that you're like a mixologist. Now, like, you, you can't drink that that trash liquor that the rest of us are okay with. Um, trash liquor is better than than people think. You can hide anything. <laughs> oh yeah, you mix anything with coke. Mix anything with coke, and then everything. It's all a party. Sort of the same. Do you, yeah. have you ever done cocaine? <laughs> no, I've never seen cocaine. I've been around it. You saw cocaine it. at that show that we were both at. You saw the most cocaine anyone's ever seen. You see, I, I, you're right. That is true. That is the one time I've seen cocaine. That should be. That needs to be a story that we tell. Eric, in mailbag. What is Groot? What the f is Groot? <laughs> what is he? What are his secrets? Okay, you're right. This is a question that has been around for a couple years, and recently we did our breakdown of Guardians of the Galaxy, part of our Infinity Saga rewatch, and we realized Groot is by far the weirdest character in the MCU. What he is exactly and how he functions biologically tells us a lot about him and the fact that he has some enormous secrets. <laughs> Nail his ass. Okay, so Groot is defined as a flora colossus, which is a tree-like organism, but he's not a tree. He's not a plant. He's an animal. And he turns to steel. That's that's a different colossus. Colossus, this is colossus. So, the Xandar booking when they all get arrested on Xandar in the first movie, the readout lists him as a humanoid plant inhabitant of Tolunia, and Tolunia is also known as Planet X which is the home of Groot and the Flora Colossi, his whole race, his tribe, his yes. people. Kalisi. Yes. <laughs> Wood bag plant balloons, because it's not blood. <laughs> Still a balloon. So the Flora Colossi are ruled over by what's called the Arbor Masters. And this is like the recent Guardians of the Galaxy comics. Everything's kind of tongue-in-cheek, which is what's great about them. They teach their children with photonic knowledge, which is the collected knowledge of all the Arbor Masters of the generation after generation. It's absorbed through photosynthesis. It's a highly advanced education method. It's a super smart species that we're dealing with. They are not simple. They are smarter than all of us. Like Groot himself is, isn't he like genius category? He's extremely smart. He seems simple because he just says, I am Groot, I am Groot. Well, let's move on to his language. The reason he says I am Groot is because his physiology has stiffened their larynxes in the, the kind of wooden fibrous state so that I am Groot is just what it sounds like when he says anything. It's like his ribbit. You wouldn't call a frog ribbit just because he says ribbit. That's just how he vocalizes anything. But every I am Groot means something. Like a dog bark, they, they kind of roughly sound the same, but we can't hear the little intricacies unless you teach your dog to talk with buttons. As you are. The Guardians of the Galaxy actually have a version of that. James Gunn established universal language implants that all the characters outside of Earth have so they can understand each other in whatever their native tongue is. Well, what I love is that uh, in his case, I Am Groot is we are too stupid to understand him and his genius level intellect and his subtleties and his speech patterns. But poor, poor Hodor, he just got that brand donkey kick to the head. <laughs> 
Yikes. <laughs> yeah, time travel destroyed his brain and made him dumb <laughs> yeah, forever. Yeah. Yeah, like you put these two in a room together and everybody's like, oh, they probably will get along. And Groot's like, are you kidding me? This Groot's like, tomorrow. I got teamed up with a dum-dum? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. What I love about this is when James Gunn has written out the scripts of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, he writes all of Groot's lines in English and then he shows those English lines only to Vin Diesel and awesome. then he translates <laughs> them all back to I am Groot. So like, that's how he tells Vin Diesel how to act. Because otherwise, he would just say like, family. So, every time we hear I am Groot, there is an English translation to that. And we get a sense of that. If you watch through the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, you can see how each time he says I am Groot, usually Rocket will respond kind of like how the other kids in South Park will respond to Kenny. And you can right. figure out by context what it is. I am Groot. Four of us. I am Groot. So what is better than 11%? What the hell does that have to do with anything? I'm Groot. He's relieved you don't want him to. I'm Groot. He hates ads. I'm Groot. On anyone, not just himself. We are Groot. I love this. Recently, James Gunn just revealed that Baby Groot in Volume 2 dropped 50 F-bombs throughout the I love the this. Movie. I saw that too, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so pretty much Hello. every time you're hearing him talk, he's I dropping am. a f in there. And uh, you see a tease of this in Infinity War when we catch up on Teenage Groot. And Groot. Whoa! Hey! Yeah, there's there's a lot of swearing going on. He's very, very profane. Now, a heartfelt language translation. We didn't realize this at the moment, but Groot's final I am Groot when he's dusting away in front of Rocket and Wakanda. He says, I am Groot. And Rocket's like, oh no, no. James Gunn tweeted later that what Groot was saying there was Dad. Those were his final words to Rocket. So we're talking about a, an emotionally, intelligently complex right. creature with all kinds of like inner secrets and, and inner workings going on behind that brain. So while he seems like the lovable simpleton of the Marvel Universe, he's actually one of the most complex characters. Right. I know I, I saw in a comic where Jean Grey is actually able to access yes. his thoughts and actually hear essentially some elaborate kind of speech almost. Yeah, which is one of the most like fascinating moments because Jean Grey is one of the most like complex mutants of the Marvel comics. It has like multiple identities and she can like process everyone's psionic waves and read everyone's thoughts because she's a telepath and an empath. So to have that kind of connection with Groot and they're both on the same level just gives you a sense of what kind of sophistication we're dealing with in this tree thing. Groot. Okay, I have a question. Yes. I'm gonna ask a question and then you can only respond with I am Eric or I am boss, whichever you want. And I'm gonna try to see if I can read your mind and your delivery. Okay. Why did you keep it a secret that you dated my uh, ex-girlfriend immediately after I finished dating her? I am boss. She pegged you? <laughs> I am boss. <laughs> <laughs> I am boss. You didn't think you didn't think you'd be into it, but I boss. I am boss. I am boss. But you saw heaven and Jerry Seinfeld is God. <laughs> I am boss. I am boss. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Great speed round. We had to cut all the other ones because they revealed too much. Well, I think you can learn a lot about what Groot's future is gonna be by just applying botany in real-world science and biology to Groot's growth structure, which real-life biology and forestry experts have examined and studied Groot's behavior in Groot's different forms throughout the films and made some very interesting conclusions that I think we all need to dig into. So... Sure. 
First okay. off, let's talk about how Groot regenerates. So Groot regenerates by just cutting off a piece of Groot and replanting it. So we saw that between uh, volume one and volume two. He regrew in a, in a pot and became a uh, baby Groot. Botanist James Wong explained that this process is called vegetative propagation. So plants retain their stem cells throughout their lives. Baby Groot, according to him, stem is a cells. genetic clone of Groot in volume one. And James Wong even suggested that baby Groot might retain the memories of Groot from volume one. But James Gunn clarified several times that baby Groot and teenage Groot is not the original Groot. Right. They, he doesn't have the same memories. The, that original Groot is dead. So I have a have a sample here. This is my plant. Oh my God, Eric, don't kill that plant just for this episode. I can't kill this plant. This plant is my succulent, Josephine, and I love her. And she's been with me for four years. Wow, uh, and she that's, a, have, that's a succulent? That's huge. It's yeah, she's gotten enormous. Uh, she used to have another part to her. That part died. This leafy part is still alive. So uh, if I were to cut off a, a branch of hers, I don't think I'd be able to replant it. Uh, but certain plants you can. Oh, yeah. uh, this plant needs very little water. Groot is interesting because Groot does eat uh, human food. He eats pizza in the comics. Yeah. He eats candy in volume two. But he has like leaves that grow off of him. He eats his own leaves in the first film. So forestry experts have said that they must have stoma, which is on the underside of the leaves. That's how they absorb uh, carbon from the atmosphere to photosynthesize with sunlight and uh, create sugars that, that feed the plant and allow it to grow more fibrous material to, so it can grow larger. Sexy. Now, a lot of botanists who are a bit crazier on the fringe of the botany community have said that... Uh, poison ivy. <laughs> yes, future poison ivy's in the making. Uh, mm -hmm. They claim that plants have most senses that animals have, with the exception of hearing, though some say that plants can hear, like, in a way. Oh, yeah. My mom talks to her plants like crazy all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then they tell her that I burn things. Well, they're just trying to save humanity. But they grow much healthier than like anyone else's plants I've ever seen. So I'm convinced they actually do hear her. Yeah, I mean, I talk to my plants. I, I name my plants. This is Josephine. She has a, a brother named Joseph who's a different plant. So they probably aren't related, but I adopt them because they're children no of Eric. No relation. <laughs> uh, they might be f***ing behind the scenes. Are you f***ing Joseph, you f***ing freak? They're step-siblings, so step it's just it's a okay. little taboo. It's like in Clueless. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so plants respond to chemicals that they say is similar to our process of smelling, because it's a chemical process. They have photoreceptors. They they grow toward light, which is kind of a form of movement, but not like the way Groot walks around or dances. They also have uh, what's called proprioception, which is a sense of location in space. So, like, plants know when they're upside down. Down. I don't want to flip this. Don't do it. And they also will send off chemical signals to communicate with other plants to warn of infestations. So they look out for each other. They We are grouped to each other. Also, uh, a botanist named Simon Gilroy claims that plants know when they're being touched. But knowing... Do they know? Do you know? Josephine, show us on the stoma where he touched you. <laughs> do not show them. There's also this guy named Eric North, who's a forestry expert, who studied Groot's growth pattern. So he actually charted these out based off of two different growth models. And there's two different growth rates that uh, tree experts use. They use an exponential function, and that would assume that Groot has reached his maximum height, which in the MCU is 12.4 in volume one. But there's also a power function that assumes trees can just grow and grow and grow. And that would assume Groot's growth pattern, he could just keep growing forever. And the only reason he reached that height is because he died at the end of volume one. So he's using the fact that in volume one, Vin Diesel in an interview described his character as a college freshman, 
which implies that he had a whole lot more life after that. So, mm. uh, using that assumption, the latter model, the power function, would be more accurate. And if you apply that mathematically, Groot could grow to be 28 feet tall in 100 years. So just in conclusion here, Vin Diesel has teased the fact that Alpha Groot is what's coming next. And James Gunn was asked about this. He's like, I don't know what he's talking about. This. <laughs> yeah. But this was in the same kind of press junket where Vin Diesel said that Groot and maybe some other Guardians characters are going to cross over in Thor 4. So mm-hmm. my interpretation of that is we might see like Alpha Groot, like a wrestler Groot who uh, like fights in the Sakaar arena. If you think all the Groots we've seen, we've seen baby Groot, we've seen teenage Groot, we've seen the original Groot who's a tree. What else could we see? What else could Alpha Groot mean other than a giant Groot? Like an iron oh, giant man. Groot who is hundreds of feet tall with that same level of sophistication. I feel like based off of what we know from botany and real life science, Alpha Groot means we're going to see a giant Groot in one of these MCU movies coming up. I feel like, couldn't he make himself giant with his Groot powers? You know, he can kind of just, just like kind of make stretches. things. He yeah. can just kind of just, yeah, Mr. Fantastics. Yeah, but that would be like, you know, how a, a jellyfish can just kind of stretch itself out. It's still the same amount of mass. It's just, you know. How do you know that about jellyfish? Jellyfish are immortal. They only die they- if we kill them. Stop believing in them. <laughs> Clap for the jellyfish. Clap yeah. for the jellyfish. Ow, ow, I ow. don't like it. So, Philip, do you feel like you understand what Groot is and maybe what his secrets are? It sounds like he's a complex genius who holds the secrets to the universe and can get really big. Genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all that's left. I love it. I love, I, I now know what Groot is. Maybe I should have asked why is Groot. Do we just do a Groot down? <laughs> And I didn't yeah. proceed with that? What an idiot I am. Uh, no, you're not dumb. You know why you're not dumb. Why am I not dumb? Because you are the one that introduced me to ExpressVPN. Ah, yes, ExpressVPN. Yes. Uh, thank you to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this yeah. episode. Uh, ExpressVPN is like a, an IP blocker. It allows you to navigate the internet without people like tracking your data or preventing you from seeing certain things based on what country you live in. So you might know that ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online. It can also help you unlock movies and shows that are only available in certain countries. Yes, this is awesome. We were talking about this on a, a recent episode of Rogue Theory that you can watch a lot of Star Trek stuff that you can't watch otherwise without paying extra for it on Netflix. If you just set yourself in Canada, I think it is for that one, you can watch the Hard, Star Trek Discovery. You can also watch like Rick and Morty too. Uh, the new episodes on freaking Netflix if you say you're in France. Yeah, Doctor Who is on Netflix in the UK. So if you can't watch either of those or lots of other shows, if you are just like saying you're on the United States Netflix, but using ExpressVPN, you can yeah. change your location, refresh Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you're using, and then you can access this stuff regardless of where you live. Again, Eric said it, but it hides your IP address. So you can also look at whatever the hell you want on any website, go anywhere, uh, and you can change where you're located, and they don't know who you are. They're gonna think it's somebody in the Caribbean that's looking at that weird, weird jellyfish stuff. Yeah, you can choose from almost 100 different countries. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but we use ExpressVPN because it is ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag. You can stream HD with zero problems. Uh, and if we haven't mentioned, it doesn't. it's not just like a computer thing. It works on your smartphone. You can use it on your smart TV. You can use it on your consoles and stuff. It works on all of it. Yeah, if you visit our special link right now at expressvpn.com slash big Q, B-I-G-Q, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Can support the show, watch whatever you want, protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash big Q. 
Okay, let's move on to some bite-sized questions that Philip's gonna answer. You ready, Philip? Yay! I'm excited. These are fun. Okay, our our friend Composer95 on Discord asked, what if Thanos couldn't physically snap his fingers? Some people can't snap. Is is the snap yeah. part necessary? Also, uh, Louis Lemoyne in the comments of a previous video asked this as well. Yeah, same thing. Uh, and I've been asking this question for, for the longest time because I'm like, do he really need to do this? This is oddly specific. <laughs> Especially when you're in a metal glove. <laughs> Which shouldn't make that sound. <laughs> and also, like, it's just, like, these ancient stones and stuff, but they had the foresight to be like, let's make it a snap thing. And they're like, some of us don't have fingers. And it's like, well, that's why you can't ever snap. Like, it just is such a weird thing that it's, it's a snap. I went down a bunch of rabbit holes trying to figure this out. I love and it. I looked into, like, the origin of, of snapping and oh. the, the snap snap your fingers, snap your fingers, turn on a light. That was my idea, but I should have got a patent. Uh, that's the first time anybody ever used it. No, um, it was in 1607 or so, whatever. It, honestly, it's not that interesting once you, once you try to find it. So let's just talk about the snap itself. In the movie, the reason that they have it is, I would say the biggest reason is it's just a direct reference to the Infinity Gauntlet comics. Mm -hmm. And in the comics, it makes a lot of sense, right? You're going through this epic storyline, most epic storyline ever, and you're trying to show how crazy things are about to get. And going from one panel to the next, it's not really clear why anything is any different on some cosmic or, or universal scale. So they use something visible like a one frame thing, like a snap where they can make a sound off yeah. of it. And then in the comic, you understand the before is gone and the after starts right on this panel. I mean, and like, yeah, they technically could have shown like a bunch of rainbow colors shooting out or something, but we've actually seen that to mean other stuff. Like mm -hmm. when Thanos uses all of the stones at once uh, on an incoming Thor. Like, it, it might have just been confusing versus just, let's make it about this snap thing. Sure. But in the movie, so not only is it a reference to the comics, but I'm also pretty sure that they're kind of just using the screenwriting technique. I call it a ticking clock, but essentially mm -hmm. it just means that something that you're getting closer to and closer to, and it's very sure. definitive. So you often see it on a bomb. That's why I call it a ticking clock, because you can see the numbers are almost there. And they even really underline this in the movie, and when Doctor Strange and others, they're weirdly obsessed with, like, don't let him close his fist! <laughs> and it's just like this like random rule that they just assigned to it like if he closes his fist all is lost Yeah, but that's kind of brilliant, right? Like it's a simple gesture that everyone around the world gets of just like a snap of a finger It's a it's like so simple in binary like a snap is such a quick on snap. and off Yeah, right. It's like a switch and which is what it, it kind of looks like in the comics, too It's just kind of an on and off switch almost so mm -hmm. I think that they were you they decided to go ahead and keep that for the movies because it's so Definitive we know all is lost the moment we see right. that and it actually is a Satisfying enough payoff to just know yes They failed the moment right. he does that but it doesn't make any sense honestly the Avengers have never like dealt with the gauntlet before They're not like there's only one way that the Gauntlet works like it kind of is a little random. So if I was coming up with an in-universe solution for why this would be, we could say maybe Doctor Strange, when he looked at every different possibility or something, he saw that no matter what happens, anytime Thanos uh, creates the the change that he's looking for, he does it by snapping his fingers because Thanos, we do know, is a really big fan of the phrase snap of one's fingers. He had okay. said multiple times to Gamora that he could wipe people out at the snap of his fingers. Uh, he's We've seen him use that phrase in the films so it's like he himself is like, you know what? There's only one way I'm going to do this thing. And it's in this cheeky little sassy way <laughs> that I've been building up to. I've been saying it for years. I've been saying it. 
So this is the only way I'm gonna do it. That's the only way it totally makes sense in the universe why Doctor Strange knows if he goes to close his hand, he's gonna do it. Because mm -hmm. technically, the way the stones work, he could have done it anyway. He could have done it literally with just a thought. Yeah. I also like, he could have done it with any other motion, right? He could have done uh, peace signs or whatever. Yeah, jazz hands. He could have done it. Yeah, a big <laughs> f you to, to everybody. <laughs> the only one I think would be better than Snap is if you'd done double finger guns. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, You're out. That's one of our emojis in our Discord, right? Is Thanos? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Thanos doing those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need to be a snap. If he had no fingers, he could still do it some other way. It's just, I guess, weirdly, he would only do it that way. That's interesting. It, it kind of implies that, like, a snap gesture was specific to Thanos's past. Like, maybe as a kid, like, he was abused by just being like, take him outside and beat him, you know? And, and Snap, he's like, I'm going to use that against the world, universe. Maybe it was just like his like big old stupid thumbs, like he couldn't snap to music or to poetry. And he was just like, one day I'll make a gauntlet that can do it. Maybe he's like partially using the reality stone to be able to snap because he can't yeah. do it normally. And finally, once he got reality stone, he's like, yes, now I can, now I can. Okay, uh, another bite-sized question. This is from Eddie DeLeon from the comments of uh, our videos. If Ant-Man was to shrink Mjolnir, would it still be hard to lift? I love this question so much. Uh, I love any all this like stuff we think about on Ant Man and shoving him up and stuff and whatever. <laughs> like just all these like weird things. Computer load up, Thanos, please. Oh, I'm okay. He should be able to do so much more. <laughs> so the first thing I assessed in answering this was. Can Ant-Man shrink Mjolnir? And luckily, I'm an adult man who watches cartoons for children. <laughs> Remember, there's an episode of Avengers Assemble, and it's it's a it's not a good episode, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but there's this moment where like essentially pin particles get loose. There's like robots and stuff, Ooh. and Thor throws his hammer, uh -huh. and as it's flying through the air, it interacts with kind of the pin particles, and it shrinks. And so when he calls it back to him, it comes back and it's this teensy little hammer <laughs> in the palm of his hand. Uh, and he he's weirdly like embarrassed about it. Like a doll hammer. It's even smaller. So yes, it is susceptible to pin particle style shrinking. Okay. So that's the first part of the answer. But Thor is the only one we see in the cartoon wield it still, so he's still worthy, so it's not really an issue. So what about if a non-worthy human tries to grab it? And I thought it'd be more interesting if, if it was, what if they tried to put it in their mouth? Because uh -oh. <laughs> that's how I answer every question. Like a baby. It's like, what if I chew on this? Can I put it in my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one from my mouth. <laughs> Fair, but can I put it in my mouth? <laughs> it's important to remember that the hammer is enchanted by magic. It has nothing to do with the infinite weight of the hammer we actually covered that in one of our very first episodes yeah, of big question our first episode. how much does that yeah how much does the hammer weigh first episode that anybody got to see because it wasn't too crazy you <laughs> uh but yeah so we know that the hammer essentially weighs 42.3 pounds right. but that the magic is what makes it unliftable so now we have to go to a different episode of big question that answered the question about what happens if ant-man it becomes giant man and takes a big poop <laughs> but according to the ant-man movies the way that the pin particles affect these objects is that they don't actually change the object so much as they change the distance between the atoms of the object so it becomes kind of more or less dense but it's a, it should be the same mass okay. and that's really important whether or not that's true because if it's true this is insane let's say Mjolnir gets shrunken down to one one hundredth of its size okay and then you drop it into someone's hand or you know 
try to toss it in someone's mouth like a potato chip. If it's just one one hundredth of its size and Ant-Man is wrong about the way that works, it's only 0.423 pounds, right. less than half a pound. That's a little less than two bananas. <laughs> two bananas. Right, Got so it. little two bananas in your hand, two bananas in your mouth. It works, trust me. Put it in the middle and oh, you're going south. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd be okay in that scenario, right? But if the Ant-Man films are correct about the way pin particles supposedly work, then it's still 42.3 pounds in Mjolnir. It's a giant mass in a tiny little package, which like, story of my life, by the way. Uh, <laughs> mass? Huge mass, teeny package. <laughs> but can it go in my mouth? That's the ultimate big question. So. If you take 42.3 pounds and put in this teensy little package, but you send it at the same acceleration that just comes with gravity, so just drop it in someone's hand or dropping it into their mouth, that's 32 feet per second per second, so uh, per second squared. You can calculate the force in specific, I'm gonna, I did it in foot pounds, and I'll explain why in a second. Foot pounds? Don't look at your foot. So that number comes out to be 673.11 foot pounds of force okay. when you drop this. But why did I pick foot pounds? I don't know what that means. Because that is how people measure the force of bullets. Oh. A nine millimeter bullet weighs only like a quarter of one ounce, so a sixteenth of one banana. Thank you for using a banana for reference. But that little 16th one banana bullet that's flying out of that gun is coming out at 1500 feet per second. So way faster than gravity just falling, right? Uh, so that's why it does so much damage, hits with so much force. Uh -huh. uh, and again, Mjolnir, 42.3 pounds, dropping into your hand or into your mouth was 673.11 foot-pounds of force. This bullet fired from a gun would hit you with 574 foot-pounds so of more. force. Mjolnir just dropping uh, into your hand when it's tiny would hit 20% harder than a nine millimeter bullet shot into your Holy hand shit. or into your mouth. It would blast you open. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Just uh, don't try to feed a loved one tiny Mjolnir, is what we're... Yeah. All right. <laughs> it, it won't work. I do like that as I was researching this, there were like things where it's like, oh, it might just knock you down real bad, or you'll have trouble lifting your hand or your chin. No, it'll blast through that shit <laughs> like a bullet. So once again, we've learned on Big Question that Mjolnir is terrifying to ask questions about. Yeah, that and a Hulk thunderclap. Yeah, all of it will kill you. Everything will kill yeah. you. you. We would not survive a day in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> not at all. Okay, time for one mailbag question this week. What do we got, Philip? Oh, I got it. Bum, ba, dum, bum. Our official uh, mailbox with the question, uh, is it a person or is it a place or is it a thing round of question uh, that will get us fired? Keep vamping. <laughs> <laughs> what is your oldest memory of feeling shame? <laughs> In the womb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the moment I got out. I can't believe how I got made. <laughs> I, I'm not worthy of living. Um, I got a story. This is the first time I can remember feeling like this. When I was six years old, my family uh, rented a cabin. The cabin. In like this uh, camp out, campgrounds area with a bunch of other families that we knew. And I was uh, friends with one of the other kids in the family. We'll say uh, his name was Freddy. We were screwing around. I was six, he was five, both basically babies. And we were running around all day. And then right around dusk, I snuck into his family's cabin because I was going to try to scare him. And I was looking around for him. And I walked to where his room was. And I look over and the bathroom door is open. And he's sitting on the toilet taking a shit. And he goes, ah! 
And I go, and I ran out of the cabin and I hit her on the side of the cabin and I heard his parents screaming and they're like, Freddie, what happened? And he goes, ah, nah, nah, nah. and he was like, basically I was Angelica and he was the Rugrats babies and yeah. he couldn't explain what had happened. And he's like, I saw, I saw Eric, I saw Eric in here. And they're like, no, you didn't, you're a liar. And they didn't believe him. And then so his mom was like, yeah, right. He's not, he didn't come in here. You're just being an idiot. And then so they stick their head out the, the cabin door and they go, Eric, Eric. And they yelled my name for 10 minutes. I just hid in the bushes because I was too Did afraid. you see Freddy shit? Eric. <laughs> I saw Freddy shit. And I was so nervous. And I was like, shit, it's only Saturday. We have all day Sunday. I'm going to see them. They're going to know. I didn't go to breakfast that we all shared the next day. Um, I was like, Eric, it's French toast. It's your favorite. I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want it. And I didn't show up. I didn't play with anyone that day because I was so ashamed that I'd seen his his bare thighs as he was taking shit. <laughs> Just those manly, hairy thighs he had. <laughs> Five-year-old boy. Bear. And then we had spaghetti for dinner, and I'm like, I love spaghetti. I can't turn that down. So I showed up, and then no one said anything to me, and I was yeah. so nervous the whole time that... It's sp spaghetti and meatballs. But his whole <laughs> life, his parents do? didn't believe him. That uh, <laughs> they're like, he believes in ghosts now because of me. Well, no, think about their image of it. It's just like Freddie screaming from the bathroom. Mom and dad run. Like, what's happening in here? And he's like, I saw Eric. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're like, he's like on the toilet. Like, what could he have meant? <laughs> he's probably. <laughs> Maybe he was it's still like potty trained. Popping up, like, <laughs> up the toilet bowl. <laughs> Eric's in there. Maybe he was like still potty training, and they thought yeah. he was just making excuses to get off the toilet. And they're like, "No, you will sit on that toilet until you shit, Mister. You are not going to bring up Eric as an excuse for this." <laughs> what if they that family never saw you because you kept skipping the meals too? They thought Eric was like this imaginary <laughs> shit friend. Did we all imagine? <laughs> yeah. Eric is just what he names his turds. Yeah. He's afraid of his shit. <laughs> Look, it's Eric. I saw Eric. There's nothing in this bowl. <laughs> Eric went bye-bye. Gross. I love that my uh, earliest shame is at the exact same age as yours. Yeah, it's something about that age. So it's it's first grade. I'm six years old. Okay. Um, and there's this girl in my class named Lynette. And Lynette was like, it's not that she was like heavy. It was that she had that thing that some girls get where, like, she's just growing so much faster than everybody else. So Lynette looked like 10, but the rest of us were, like, 6. And, like, she might have been 10. I don't know. She was a 10. 10. <laughs> yeah. No, so I was, like, 6, but she, like, already was starting to, like, become a woman or something. And it was, like, mind-boggling for me. So, like, I would just, like, stare at her in class sometimes, like... Just like, what is happening to Lynette? Even as a six-year-old? Because that's, that's pretty cute. Exactly. That's what was so so weird about it. But like, you know, and no judgment to Lynette. It was just fascinating to my, my six-year-old uh, eyes. Okay. And so I kind of like, it's not that I became obsessed with her, but I would just like think about her a you lot. You had a gentleman's curiosity. Yes, exactly. I was quite the gentle boy. <laughs> yeah. This is the story of my first ki kind of quasi-erotic dream. Oh, Six years old? Yeah. I was 26 I... by the time. <laughs> when, you, when you learned about eroticism. I was, I slept in a bunk bed 
and I was on the top bunk. And I, it's so weird that I still remember the dream part of it. Lynette is is there and she's getting close to me and like nothing, it's not romantic in any way because I don't understand any of that. She just keeps getting closer and closer to me and she's so big that she starts to envelop me and her skin is wrapping all the way around me. And then she kind of starts to become, maybe I'd seen on TV or something like an anaconda or something. And so she starts wrapping my whole body up in her skin and she's just so big and she's like kind of crushing me but i remember it didn't feel bad it kind of like in my dream was like this feels good i think and she's she's just like uh constricting me maybe to death but the reason i i didn't feel so bad about that i didn't under i didn't understand what's happening in the dream but when i woke up in in the middle of the night and i came to i looked down and i had shredded my pajama pants into pieces <laughs> what i had just like torn them to shreds like who knows what i was i was pawing at myself so much that i just like like there it was ribbons of pajama pants you hulked out and of was, your pajamas because of your unbirthing dream yeah i was six years old and i i felt so much guilt because i knew i'd done something really dirty and i did it so bad that i ruined my pants and i balled them up and i i threw them down the side of the bed which only meant they fell to the no the, one can find them to, yeah exactly but i definitely knew what i'd done was so wrong and i think i like i even couldn't even talk to lynette after that anymore not without immediately ripping my pants off we yeah. used to be friends philip come on hug yeah. me hug me philip no no! <laughs> I'm oh, still God. so embarrassed about, about that. I didn't even know what I was doing down there. There's a womb envy to that, right? Like, she just grew larger, so well, she was the most maternal to you. And you're exactly. getting in her. That's so wrong, because it's a girl we're talking about. Yeah, and then I stabbed my eyes out. Yes, I have to take these out and, like, wash my ears forever after hearing that. I was so little, I didn't know. I did much worse stuff later. Uh, age doesn't forgive knowledge of the law. <laughs> I'm so lucky I didn't go to jail. Illegal dreams. Every episode, Philip ends in a bit of regret by just learning another thing about you. <laughs> the thing is, I've lived with all this stuff my whole life. I know these things every single it day. It explains so much. <laughs> exactly. It just better explains to other people why I'm kind of like unshakable, I think. Like, just like, that's right. Whatever. I've seen it when I was six. Nothing, nothing rattles Philip. Nothing shakes you. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I've already had that horrible thought. Move on. That's the same age I was when I told that story about my mom's friend who said she was going to shut this shell. Up <laughs> like a dick. You've lived four lifetimes. By the time I was six. It was very formative. Well, folks, that's our show. I always feel like just saying our normal <laughs> script is always like recovering from something horrible. Well, that we I, I think it's so funny. It's kind of like uh, Rachel Ray's cooking show. And that's how it starts. And we go through recipes and like, well, let's see how the turkey turned out. And then like later, it's like, I killed a man in Vegas and I got away with it. And every day he haunts me in my dreams. Well, let us know if you have fun recipes. <laughs> Something fun to share with you. Every time we tape one of these episodes, I go downstairs and I talk to my girlfriend and she asks, so what were you guys talking about? She has so many questions because she's only heard my half of it. And she's like, wait, so what? What did you do? Yeah, she only hears your side and thinks the worst. She's like, you stole that girl's blazer? I can't believe you. She's like, give her back her blazer. But on the other side, Philip's like, I started the Chicago fire. <laughs> her, her questions are always, 
how old were the participants? <laughs> <laughs> I need ages and current contact information. She's for like, all I of just need mentioned. to know because, like, then we need we need to get married faster so that I can't testify against you. <laughs> it has to be a speed wedding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> reminder that you can join our official Discord by becoming a patron at Patreon.com/slash/NewRockStars. You can get audio versions of the show. Another by subscribing to New Rockstars. Yeah. Big question wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to everyone who submitted questions in our comment sections using the hashtag big question on Twitter or by hitting us up on Discord. Discord's probably going to be the way we're going to see it first. So really going to need to become a patron. Join us on Discord if you really want to get our attention fastest. You can also mail us at our P.O. Box. We love getting mail from you guys. It's always the best. You know what else we love getting from you guys? Fan art. Look. Somebody did this fan art of us recently. Isn't that great? I think it's hilarious and I love it. It's amazing. I love six things about this. So <laughs> in the comments, try to figure out what my six favorite things are about this. But yeah, send us more fan art and we'll feature on the show. We love it. It makes us feel good about our life choices. Uh, follow me on uh, social media at EA Voss. Follow Philip at Philip Molina. And you can follow New Rockstars on all social media and subscribe here on YouTube to get too much information about all that stuff you care about. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.